you know, it was a leap of faith. I've had some very difficult times over the past with doctors, and I finally heard of a doctor that I needed to go to, and I went in, and I kind of interviewed him, and I just laid it out there for him that I am a gay man. I'm, I've been with my partner for, at that time, probably um, 19 or so years, and it was quite an experience to be able to be free of who I was as a gay man and actually have the doctor look at me and say, hey, that's not a problem at all. Welcome to Health Stories, interviews inside the healthcare system. I'm Dr. Nicole Deffenbaugh, Clinical Communications Specialist, and I'm glad that you're able to join us today as we conclude our series here for Health Stories. I'm delighted today to be joined by Billy Rogers. He is a former massage therapist and a local activist, and he's gonna be talking about the intersectionality between age and sexual orientation um, in the healthcare system. So welcome to the podcast, Billy. Thanks for having me, Nicole. It's quite an honor. Okay, so I can only imagine what it's like. Um, we, we had a podcast, um, I think it was last summer, um, with a clinician actually who was talking about LGBTQ and some of the challenges um, that patients face coming out to their doctors because it's one thing to disclose your identity to family members but then to do it to the medical community. So what was what was that like preparing to, to tell this doctor about your, your identity? Well, it, it was scary. I had been fortunate enough that a, in 90 I had worked, uh, at that time I was a massage therapist and I, I happened to work for a doctor who was a lesbian and uh, she did become my doctor at the time, um, but it was awkward. You know, I was a gay male discussing gay male issues with a, a female lesbian doctor, but she was quite a, a champion. So when I didn't have her as my, my primary caregiver any longer, I was pretty nervous. And I'd gone to another doctor, and I, I, I didn't feel... Now, at the front of the office, I did feel a little bit of discrimination, but actually with the doctor himself, I don't didn't feel discrimination, but I felt like he wasn't listening to me mm. and my issues as a gay man. So I sought out another doctor, and that's when I heard about, uh, I referred to him as Dr. McDreamy. He's just a wonderful man. And I basically just went in to interview him and just, I laid my cards out on the table and said, hey, this is what my needs are as a gay man who's in a committed relationship and has been for, a minute, I think, around 20 years at that time, what can you do for me? Mm. And, and so how long have you been seeing him? Ever since that day. Okay. So how long ago was that? I want to say it's been, a, I think, at least a decade, at least 10 years. Okay. And had you heard about him from other people? So one of the things I hear is that sort of through word of mouth, you learn about doctors who are, are open, um, open-minded, and who are welcoming of individuals with diverse backgrounds and identities. Is, was that the case in, in here? It is. There was a group of us, a, a older uh the gay and lesbian community, uh, and it was staff and faculty from the university, and just a different group of people. We met at this great little bar at, on Friday nights, every night for happy hour, and one of the bartenders there, who also <clears throat> lived in the, uh, the town I lived in, said, hey, you should try this doctor, and I'm like, oh, okay. 
And that's kind of, we did hear about it in a bar at happy hour with a lot of gay and lesbians. There are friends, you know, we live in a small community, so we do hang together a lot. There's not a lot of the separatism in Southern Illinois that you might find in urban areas. So we do hang together. Nice. So I want to backtrack a little bit, um, especially given that you have, being, being an older man, um, approaching your uh, mid-60s, uh, that you have a lot of, of personal history and experience with sort of the changes that have occurred over time. And I would love to get your perspective um, regarding how things have changed specifically within the healthcare system um, for LGBTQ individuals over the, the last few decades? Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'll be 64 in July, so I came out with full force in the early 70s. And that was a culture, a gay culture, especially with the men. Um, it was clandestine sex and an anonymous sex, and it was just part of our culture. We didn't think twice about it. And then all of a sudden, the late 70s, we were... We were facing an a, a, the AIDS crisis, and healthcare back then was very awkward. Awkward, actually, they wouldn't. There were many doctors that wouldn't even see you, period, if they knew you were gay or thought you had HIV. Mm-hmm. Now we went through the eighties with the Reagan administration, and uh, it was I call it our lost years because my brothers, I buried several. Mm-hmm. Dying of AIDS, we could get no help. The, the the medical community just totally ignored us as long as well as our government. Uh, we went on through the nineties, and wow, things started changing. And that's when I started working with this uh, at a, a healthcare clinic that was a clinic that encompassed everybody. It had she was a lesbian doctor, but she wanted massage therapist. That's what I did at the time. For 20 years, I was a massage therapist. Then she had a dietitian, she had a psychologist, she had an acupuncturist. So we were opening the door, in my opinion, to intersectionality with the community, with gay and lesbian community. And I was part of that. I kind of feel kind of proud of that. Then as the 2000s came around, we were moving right along. And that's when I went to Dr. McDreamy. And I felt really comfortable. We didn't see a lot of things. But that doesn't go without saying there were a few incidents and some bumps along the road that happened with my, my he's now my husband. We've been together for 29 years. So there was a couple of hiccups there that, you know, uh, we might go to later. But the 2000s, we're moving right along again. But then all of a sudden at 2019, with the religious freedom rules, and they are very broad. They are taking us back to the 80s, and they're totally undermining all of our progress, and it scares the heck out of me. And it should scare the heck out of, you know, all of our brothers and sisters in the LGBT community. And in particular, uh, one of the, the transgender community are the ones that have always slipped through the cracks from the 70s to this date they've always been swimming under the rug and that breaks my heart so with that said i'm still a champion for them as well and we got a lot of work to do yeah and i appreciate you mentioning individuals who identify as transgendered because um, i was just teaching this to my class talking about health inequities and how really um, stark they are regarding hiv 
um, regarding violence um, and sexual violence, especially um, toward individuals who identify as transgendered. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up because there are definitely a lot of um, discriminatory acts and a lot of oppression that still occurs. Uh, you you had mentioned um, so I appreciate you you talking taking us through the history of uh, you know what has occurred and, and thinking about um, our present situation. And you did mention that you've had some bumps in the road as you refer to them. Um, can you tell us about some of the experiences that you've had um, that really stand out for you um, in the healthcare system? Well, one in particular really stands out in my mind. Um, my husband, uh, it's been, I can't remember exactly how many years ago, had uh, he torn two muscles in his rotator cuff and actually severed the short head of his bicep. I'm, I don't want to get too technical here, but it was a serious shoulder injury. And he was uh, having his surgery. And it was a complicated surgery. And the surgeon himself said, I can go I can't go fishing for this short head of your bicep but if I get in there and I find it I'll reattach it so I'm sitting there in the waiting room and it was a long surgery and I was with my sister and the surgical nurse came out to update us and she looked directly at my sister's eyes and started telling her all the information my sister said whoa 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 wait a minute you need to be talking to him. She took one look at me and turned right back to my sister and continued to talk. My sister again, a second time, said, ma'am, with all due respect, you need to be telling this to him. Oh, interesting. She completely ignored us and her request and walked away. Now, when mm -hmm. I walked in, when the surgeon came out and got me, and she was in the room. They take you into a little private room to discuss the surgery. He kind of looked at her, turned her back, his back to her, got knee to knee and eye to eye with me and explained the whole surgery and told me that my man was going to be okay. And he basically kind of shamed her right in front of me. And I was so proud of that moment. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can imagine for the surgeon to be able to take... Um, take a stance and to be able to to say I'm going to acknowledge you. I'm going to talk to you I recognize that you are the partner of this person um, Yeah, that's that's really interesting that that happened and so far. I'm lucky. I I go to the uh, my uh, husband's um, doctors and uh, with his cardiologist I go we go together all the time because oftentimes when you have two people there you don't miss out on all the dialogue, I might say, oh, wait, he said this, and or how am I going, oh, wait, Billy, you missed that. So it's always good to have that second pair of ears. We fortunately, at this day and time in our community, have not had any problems with that. However, I am friends with many transgender uh, friends on Facebook and social media, and there are a couple in particular that have had some serious problems and they talk about it on a regular basis on social media. So I can only mm -hmm. give you secondhand information about that. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, but I'm lucky. I truly am. I surrounded my, well, I don't know. I don't know why or how my husband and I got so lucky. I, I don't know. So one of the questions that um, I wanted to ask you is, 
um, in regards to some of the positive encounters that you've had and what have those experiences been like with your partner? Well, my partner is 84, so we are entering a whole different age of medical, you know, um, we've had to see cardiologists, uh, we've even had, we've been in the hospital together in Mexico with foreign doctors and speaking, you know, I'm not really bilingual, but enough to get me in trouble, so to speak. Um, and I have to say that in particular, like in a foreign country like Mexico, where you think that uh, the LGBT community would be discriminated against, uh, quite opposite, we were treated with the utmost respect and dignity in Cancun, Mexico, in the hospital. So I'm like, whoa. Now, we also have experienced, uh, we go together quite often together to our medical appointments, especially if it's involving surgery or, like, in, for instance, house heart conditions or whatever. Uh, the last cardiologist we had, I'm pretty sure was, well, I know he's Muslim. And so we were both like, we were nervous because with my white privilege and my experience in the world, I automatically think a Muslim is against the gay and lesbian culture. And much to my surprise, this, this, this cardiologist was all smiles very open and I mean I I get chills thinking about it because I didn't feel awkward nor did my husband and he discusses everything with us together looks us eye to eye so to me those are very positive you know and typically our first encounters the first person you see is the receptionist at any of these places and mo more often than not we get in conversations about dogs cats whatever and I don't feel this, they know we're a gay couple, you know, and so I feel like a lot of the barriers have been broken down in my community. I don't know, I feel, I real feel, I feel positive about many of our experiences with the doctors right now. Nice, excellent. So, and, and I think that's important for listeners to be aware that, you know, our implicit biases goes both ways. So clinicians can have it, but patients have it toward their clinicians too. So that's uh, an important and a good reminder for us. I want to transition now to thinking about um, all of the wisdom that you've gained over the years um, and how, how much uh, you can share some of that with our listeners. Right now, I think there, for the younger generation, it's my advice to them is to be open and honest with everyone in your healthcare community. And if they cannot deal with it, I suggest you move on. And there are resources out there and available that will get you in, to where you need to be. And I'm about full disclosure of everything because if you're not disclosing your medical needs to your med, to the, the doctors and nurses that are providing the health care for you, then you're doing yourself a, a, an injustice and you're doing them an injustice. We all need to be on the same page together. Honesty, get the dialogue. Uh, perhaps the younger generation can educate the doctors uh, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, if you're not going to the right doctor, get a new one. They're out there and there's resources available. Someone needed a specialist, you know, like a gastroenterologist, there might only be one in your community and that person isn't open and um, isn't respectful of who you are. It might be hard finding another specialist. It would be. Uh, now, actually, my gastroenterologist, um, 
for some reason or another uh, knows about my sexuality and okay. he has never once discriminated and he is uh, of another faith um, uh, he's very very religious but um, again I, I don't know why I got so lucky yeah. um, I've seen him for many years he's helped me through some severe uh, medical issues um, we have together grown together if that makes any sense I, I've seen a, a growth within him as well mm. the one thing uh, one of my um, <clears throat> problems he looked at me and said I don't care about your past or your history all I care about now is we're gonna make you better and I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything within my power <clears throat> to heal you and to give you the tools to make you better yeah well, one of the things that I'm hearing you say is is um, feeling that you've been very blessed and, and not really sure how you've come to where you are. I'm also hearing, though, that you have a lot of confidence. You're standing up for yourself. There's a sense of sort of uh, autonomy. Um, and wondered if you could speak about how you've come to, to be confident and be able to stand up for yourself, recognizing that that wasn't always the case so many decades ago. So as an activist, I have been out in the forefront fighting for our rights for many, many, many years. Um, not everybody, I think, may have that within them to be that activist. But just don't be afraid. There's resources out there. Reach out to people. There are so many places you can reach out in Southern Illinois. We have... Uh, I mean, just so many, There, even in Southern Illinois, there's resources available for us, and there's resources nationwide. And if you, you're you not that activist, and you're not out there, and you're, you're nervous, utilize what's at your fingertips. The information technology is right there, and everything is just a .org or a .com away. So we're gonna we're gonna get to resources in a minute. Are there certain questions that people should be asking, or how to address discrimination when it occurs? Do you have any tips for that? Well, my tips are once again uh, to be upfront about your sexuality from the moment you walk in the door. When, and I have called a couple of doctors. I recently went to a counselor uh, lately, and her intake she did not have. It was very back again, cut and dry male female i'm like you're what about your transgender community why are you intake forms have always really irritated the gay and lesbian community because they don't have a box for us <laughs> so um and we don't like to be put in a box anyway but we need to be able to fill out those forms with dignity and respect and they need to change that so i would recommend that they seek out um you know, primary caregivers <clears throat> that meet their standards. But I can't stress enough, though, you just have to be honest. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feel comfortable, get up and walk out. We've already we started to transition to the clinical side, and I want to continue. What are some other suggestions you have for individuals who are listening who may work for the healthcare system in terms of changes that need to be made and how to be uh, more aware of your biases and to, to be open to, to patients. We have to be vigilant. We have to continue with our legislators. We have to write them, call them. I don't care how old you are. If you're 18 and you can vote, you can get a hold of your legislators. 
All you got to do with information technology is go online, find out who your state reps are, find out who your uh, federal reps are, email them, get the word out. And through the Affordable Care Act, we're facing even more discrimination, and it also revolves around this broad religious freedom rule that lets them escape it. So, and then we're talking about insurance, so that's kind of like segueing into some other areas that's probably not really healthcare provider oriented. So. Well, but I appreciate you bringing that up because healthcare is influenced by our, our legal system and by our laws. And so section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act, which you're talking about, recognizes and um, protects individuals um, because, uh, with their gender and sexual orientation, and yet what you're talking about is having those rights being taken away and we're at threat of, of having that happen. So you're reminding the listeners that what happens with your physician in a closed room is influenced by what your legislators and, and what is happening um, in our legal system. And um, so that's a good reminder for all of us. One uh, other thing I wanna bring up before um, we get your resources is uh, you were talking about having really good experiences with a number of your healthcare providers uh, and not necessarily having the same positive experience with others that you encountered like staff or receptionists. Um, and I think that's important to remember that when we are training and working um, to bring about awareness of um, intersectional, intersectionality and different identities of patients, that every single person in the system needs to be educated about that. And it's not just the clinicians. It's not just the nurses even. It's not just the healthcare providers. It's are all the professionals and all of the people that work in a healthcare system. I'm seeing you nod. Yes, well, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I can't remember the actual incident um, and all the specifics, but there was a moment when I was in the hospital and it was an intense situation at the time. And what I don't think it was a nurse, I'm not sure. But all I know is I snapped a bit. And I said, this is my husband. And that person left and came back and apologized. And said, ah, forgive me for my insensitivity. And that wasn't my intention. And I said, I understand and I accept your apology. But be mindful of what you're saying to people because words affect and words hurt us. Um, I've also, you can tell, <clears throat> for instance, I've walked in many times to a receptionist and, you know, I can't change my voice. <laughs> a lot of people say, you know, I got that gay voice. Well, gay life, I own it. Uh, the point being is whatever they think I am or who I am, you can see immediately the reaction. I don't take that very well either, but I've learned through time smiling at them while you're like inside going, you know, I want to choke you. Uh, that seems to uh, soften the blow a little bit with them. And oftentimes ask them, say, I need some help. And anytime you ask somebody, I need help, we all want to rise to the occasion. So that kind of like, that kind of like sets a better tone. But I still refuse to take any crap from anybody about my sexual orientation. I just won't do it. I'll, I'll turn around and walk out that quick. So I don't know if that kind of addressed your uh, question there. It did, absolutely. So I want to um, end with resources. You've been mentioning 
resources throughout the podcast, and I would love if you could share some of those with our listeners. Well, you know what? I, I think one of the best, and I've not always uh, been, okay, I've gone back and forth with HRC. Uh, I just have over the years as a queer uh, and a gay man and, a, and as an activist, I've had some issues with HRC. But believe it or not, hrc.org has one of the most, the best patient non-discrimination information out there right now. And you can go to hrc.org and in their search bar, just put in uh, patient non-discrimination. Hmm. And it gives you the statistics of, I mean, it's, it's so cool to see everything out there and it gives you locations. Now, also, Cigna, of all things, uh, insurance companies, mm. check them out because they have a non-discrimination policies within their system. And you can look up LGBTQ issues through um, uh, the insurance companies. And Cigna was the first one that came up. AARP, believe it or not, for us old folks out there, they have a whole section on LGBTQ issues, which I think is very, very, very important. And in this day and age of information technology, all you got to do is type in LGBTQ healthcare and bam, all kinds of stuff comes up. It's out there, folks. And is that helpful for people to know to be able to um, quote that or to be able to um, submit a complaint when, when something happens? Or how, how do you use these resources is what I'm asking. Well, I, would, I think the patient non-discrimination from HRC is very, very valuable because it lists the locations and destin- locations that, and they give a breakdown on the healthcare. I mean, they, the employee benefits and policies, they give a breakdown on, um, let me see, uh, non-discrimination staff and training. That's huge. And they give the percentages, and this is a nationwide um, poll that they've taken, and data research. It's very empirical and good to know. The patient services and support, Mm. that's huge. Uh, Employee benefits and policies. So if you're on the medical side, are they going to support you and give you the same benefits? Patient and community engagement, that's huge. That's all within the hrc.org. Um, if you go to that, like I said, to the findings of the um, non-discrimination, equal visitation. I mean, I got a pamphlet that's just about 20 pages long filled with the breakdown, the percentages, and it also is specific to uh, areas within the United States. So you could, you know, lead yourself to where you need to be. Also with the other, um, the other um, websites, any, you know, there's always a box in there for comments. I highly recommend using those comments. Many of us don't. I do. Um, I want my voice to be heard somewhere. And if you start with the comment, I typically get a response. It may take a while, but I typically get a response. And if I can get a dialogue going, then I typically, I, I, have, I get results. And I always premise it with, I need help. You know, blah, blah, blah. I find that you're, you, you know, uh, so and so and so and so at your staff is not blah, blah, blah. They, they're not meeting my expectations as a gay man. Don't be afraid. Take fear out of the equation. I, I, you know, that's, 
I, I don't know. I think that's good words to live by. Excellent. Just don't be afraid. And it's hard not to be afraid in this world. And, and take a leap of faith. That's a, reminding me from the opening story. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, Billy. It was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me on. And I, um, I just, I hope that all of your listeners, young, old, and indifferent, get something to take home with them today, something that they will remember. If there's one thing that they got out of this podcast, we've achieved our goal today. I agree, absolutely. And so if you have listened and you enjoy listening, we'd still love to have you um, uh, find us on Facebook so you can like us at House Stories Podcast. We're on Twitter at Stories Health. And of course, there's a blog, Nicole Deffenbaugh, N-I-C-O-L-E-D-E-F-E-N-B-A-U-G-H dot com slash blog. 